Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. this morning. I think you can see the journey that we and his family had demonstrates how life sometimes can feel like an obstacle course, right? You're going along, everything's good, and then something happens and boom, everything changes. Uh, If you've been in the military at all, you know that uh, part of boot camp is to go through these very difficult obstacle courses where you have to climb things, uh, slither in mud while bullets are going over you, and that's preparation uh, for just about anything that could happen in battle. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Paul. We've been studying Acts throughout this series. We're going to look at Paul and how he himself was prepared for just about anything, because in life alone, we're going to struggle. We're going to have all kinds of things happen. We'll have high moments. We'll have low moments. We have joyful times, sorrowful times. We will have favor. We will have persecution. And so we as Christians must be prepared, especially for whatever comes our way. And so we're going to learn from Paul how to be prepared for just about anything. Are you ready? All right. So if you have your Bibles, go if you would to Acts chapter 21. Uh, We're going to see that Paul throughout his letters, so as you look for it, Paul throughout his letters uses the metaphor of a a marathon runner who's thinking of the finish line. Uh, Throughout his letters, you see Paul talking about running the race, finishing the race. Sometimes he uses the metaphor of fighting the good fight. Uh, And when he writes to Timothy, he says, I have run the race, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith. He uses all of them together because Paul was always ready for whatever came his way. And what we're going to see in the story that we're going to read today is we're going to learn from him. Uh, Paul's going to model for us how we can be ready for just about anything. So uh, chapter uh, 21, verse 17. Now the background of this is that Paul came uh, from Ephesus and he was coming back to Jerusalem. His followers, his co-workers were warning him, Paul, you can't go back there. There's going to be persecution your way. Uh, but Paul decides, I'm going anyway. In fact, he says a little bit earlier, he says, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus Christ. And so let's see what happens when it gets to Jerusalem. Verse 17. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed and all of them are zealous for the law. And so we begin a Paul arriving to Jerusalem, uh, somewhat prepared for something to go wrong. But the first thing we hear is that Paul re- was received warmly. Now, the, the Greek word behind warmly, asmenos, uh, is a word that also means happily, joyful. And oftentimes in scriptures, it's talk about even the way that we look at God with happiness. So you have to imagine how this works. Paul comes in ready for anything, and the first thing he experiences is like, 
Paul, welcome, he's back, everyone's thrilled, have you ever been welcome like that? Isn't it a great feeling when someone, like, you walk into someone's house and they're like, yeah, you're here, so glad to see you. So Paul's received in a warm welcome, and now they start to compare notes. Paul tells them, hey, this is what's happened with all the Gentile churches. Paul had been in missionary trips where he had started churches and encouraged believers, and he's showing them what's happened out in the mission field. And the people in the church in Jerusalem are saying, Paul, good things have happened here too. Many Jews have come to believe. Thousands of them have come to the faith. And so it's this joyful moment until the last thing that's said, where they say, all of them are zealous for the law. Now that would have rang in Paul's ear. Because if you remember, as we have been studying the book of Acts, Paul had a challenge everywhere he went. He was called by God to bring the gospel, the good news to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And many Jewish believers, those who had accepted Jesus, uh, were trying to make the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, to then not only accept Jesus, but also go back and do all of the Jewish laws, including circumcision, eat the food the way the Jewish people ate, do all of the traditions, all the holidays. And Paul constantly taught, no, 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 you're missing the power of grace. Jesus came to break down the wall between Jew and Gentile. Jesus came to say that salvation does not come from the law. The law cannot save us. Grace and grace alone brings salvation. And so no longer does the law need to be uh, followed in the same way. Not that the law was bad. It's okay if you're Jewish to continue your tradition. It's okay to be circumcised. All that is fine. It still honors God, but it does not save. And these Judaizers, that's what they were called, they were intent on making the non-believers become like them and make them follow. So these, these people who were Gentiles, who had a totally different culture and tradition, were forced into a Jewish lifestyle. And Paul was against that because that was not the grace that Jesus brought. And they were against Jesus. I mean, they were against Paul. They were, they were pushing everywhere Paul went and taught. These people would incite riots and cause all kinds of problems for Paul everywhere he went. In fact, he was in Jerusalem. Not shortly before that, he was persecuted by them. And so they followed them to Jerusalem. And all these people in Jerusalem are believing in Jesus but holding on to the law. It was Jesus saves plus the law. And Paul's not about that. He was not going to back down for that. So already by hearing this, he knows, okay, things are about to change, and they do. So and when we read in verse 27, listen to what happens. Some Jews from the province of Asia, these are the people that Paul had come from, saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. The violence of the mob was so great, we're told that he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed behind him kept shouting, get rid of him, 
Now you can imagine this scene only a day after Paul is received with warm welcome, with joy. A huge commotion takes place. Look at all the words that are used up. People were stirred up. They were aroused. They were running from all directions. They dragged Paul. They were trying to kill Paul. Everything was in an uproar. They wanted to get rid of him. Whoa. Talk about a change in direction. And the situation is so violent. The Roman government, the Roman soldiers have to be involved and save Paul from being killed. As he's being beaten, they have to pick him up and take him out of the crowd so that he could live. And the reason they were so angry at him is because they believed that he was against them. He was against their law, and he was against the temple. And all the things that they were basing this on was essentially a lie because Paul was not against them. Paul was not against the temple. Paul was not against God's law. He was for the grace of Jesus Christ who came to fulfill the law, who came to show us that we can only be saved through grace. And so we have this situation where Paul, now everything changes for Paul. Every chapter from this point forward in the book of Acts is now Paul in prison. All the way to the chapter 28, when Paul gets to Rome, he's still in prison. And what's surprising, what is amazingly surprising about the journey that Paul goes into from this point forward is that every opportunity he can, he preaches the gospel. In fact, in response to all of this attack, Paul asks, may I speak to the people? And when you read chapter 22, you see Paul giving his testimony as to who he is, why, why he teaches what he teaches. He tells them about Jesus who came, appeared to him, blinded him, and then called him to be a pastor, a teacher to the Gentiles, bringing the good news to the Gentiles. Now, if you've been here for a while, you know we've been talking about the book of Acts. This long uh, book, 28 chapters for us, fit in what's called a papyrus paper, one roll. And in this time, that's how things were written. It only held so many words before you had to use a second one. And so we have over 30 years of church history trying to be captured in one papyrus paper, which meant that they had to be careful about what stories to tell how to write all of this so that they would have room. And what's remarkable is that Paul's testimony, the story of Paul's conversion, is told multiple times in detail. Why? Because that is the power of our testimony. That is the one power we have when all things fall apart, is that we have our story, our testimony. When we don't know what else to say, we can tell our testimony. It is Paul's testimony for which he gave everything. He was willing to die. He was willing to be bound, but he was not willing not to tell the truth of Jesus Christ. And he does it all throughout his letters. See, he was ready for just about anything, and he knew what to do. And from prison, he wrote a great deal of letters, letters that we love today. We see Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians. These are letters that Paul wrote from prison. So his ministry did not stop. Despite this huge commotion, despite this huge setback, what it would appear as a setback, nothing could stop Paul from telling the good news. And he suffered persecution. And we might suffer persecution, but we can learn from Paul how to be ready for just about anything. Now let's talk about persecution for a minute. 
Because I don't know about you, but you hear people talk about persecution. And have you heard this where people say, well, people in America have no clue what persecution is. They've never experienced persecution. So it, it doesn't matter, whatever you say, because there are real, there's real people dealing with persecution in other parts of the world. And that's the only thing that really matters. That's true persecution. What Paul experienced, that's true persecution. But I argue with you that to say that it's no different than a cancer patient telling someone who broke their foot, don't cry, that doesn't hurt. It doesn't matter, right? Because the reality is pain is pain. Because persecution comes in all kinds of ranges. It goes anywhere from someone being cynical towards you, maybe not getting the job opportunity because they know that you're Christian. Maybe they think you're a little weird or you have crazy ideas. Maybe persecution comes to you by way of uh, not some friends not wanting to hang out with you because they're afraid you're going to start talking about Jesus and about your church. Maybe persecution comes because in your neighborhood, your neighbors will not come to your parties or hang out with your house because they hear you worshiping sometimes or playing the worship music. Maybe persecution comes because you're, you've made, you're in a family, you might be the only believer and everyone else rejects you. I know people here in Orange County who have believed in Christ and now their family has completely abandoned them. So persecution can happen at that level. It could be some level of hostility, some level of um, aggression towards them. And of course, it can be this most aggressive form, whether it's violence, whether it's obviously beheadings and killings, well, the worst kinds, imprisonment. But all of it is pain. There is no, there, yes, of course, one is more pain than the other, but pain is pain. And so today, as we think about Paul and we learn from Paul how to be ready for anything, I want us to be ready for any kind of persecution. Have you experienced some level of persecution in your life? Some place where you felt maybe that your faith was a handicap, was looked at as a negative and not a positive? I want us to be ready on how to respond to that. And at the same time, because we know, even if it's just by a small amount, what that pain is like, that we will be thinking of our brothers and sisters who experience the worst of pain, the worst of persecution, and that we set our hearts to pray for them and encourage them and think of them often and intercede to God for them, that they might be released from the pain that they're struggling. And so what we're going to see from Paul today is, is how, how do we, how do we do this? How do we handle persecution? How do we stay focused in our faith? You see, persecution was not a surprise to Paul. You see, he would have remembered the, name, the words that Jesus said. He said, remember what I told you. This is Jesus. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Paul, when he wrote to his follower, Timothy, uh, he said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a life, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Would you read this with me again? In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Is it some people? Everyone. That means you and I. It means that at some point in our life, somewhere, we're going to experience some hostility 
because of our faith. Paul understood this. It did not surprise him. It should not surprise us. There are thousands around the world suffering persecution. And sadly, right now, persecution is on the rise. It would have surprised you that the U.S. State uh, Department of State says that more than 60 countries, in more than 60 countries, Christians experience persecution at the hands of their own government. A recent study concluded that over 600 million people around the world are prevented from expressing the faith the way we did earlier as we were worshiping. In 2016 alone, 90,000 Christians were killed for their beliefs. And Open Doors USA has the most startling statistic. It says that every month, every month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. 214 churches or Christian properties are destroyed. And 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians. That's every month. And those are the ones they know about. Because I am sure there's all kinds of persecution that nobody ever hears about. So persecution is a challenge. It's all around the world. We know about a gentleman, Jim and I know about a gentleman named Pastor Farshid. He is from Iran. And he was imprisoned because he had started churches all throughout uh, Tehran. Farshid became a Christian when he was 17 years old. And he was passionate for Jesus. He was married and had two children, Rosanna and Bardia. In December of 2010, actually December 26, the day after Christmas, Farshid was arrested by the Iranian intelligence ministry. Their their desire was to take down this entire Christian movement, and since Farshid led all of these churches, they thought, if we take him down, we take the whole thing down. And so Farshid was sent to Evan prison in Tehran, and that was a very difficult place to be. And if that wasn't bad enough, and if it wasn't bad enough that he was there at a time with solitary confinement and terrible interrogation, they moved him a few years later to Rashai Sahar Prison, which is the most violent prison in Iran. So violent that at every cell, they have to have a guard to keep the violence down. And so Farshid, for five years, he had to experience this persecution, his crime, his Christian faith, and his ministry work. The fact that he followed Jesus faithfully, that was his crime. The government saw his actions as actions against the national security. Thankfully, Farshid was released last December, this last December, and he is currently in Turkey awaiting the ability to be reunited with his children. But the reality is persecution is real. And you know, persecution, you hear it a lot. If there's persecution, the church grows. Have you heard that? Now, that's true. There are many places around the world where the persecution has caused the church to grow. But persecution has also caused the church to shrink. In Iran, the church is growing. In China, the church is growing. But in Iraq, the church is shrinking. And there are places around the world where there is no persecution and the church is growing. So make no mistake, the reason persecution continues and the reason persecution is effective and it continues to happen is because the enemy knows it works. Now, God is at battle, and he makes all things work for his good, and thankfully, the church grows even through persecution. But persecution is not going to go away. 
and we have to know how to respond to it. Like Rashid, we want to be able to persevere even in the most difficult times. You know the difference between those who persevere and those who don't? It's not only their faith, but the support that they receive from their Christian brothers and sisters. In the places where others stand with them, pray for them, encourage them, those people can push through further. And so we want to be that, right? We want to stand with those who might be experiencing persecution. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Paul, the letters he wrote while he was in prison to the various churches and learn from him how to finish this race well. In Acts chapter 20, before Paul goes to Jerusalem, he says this, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Despite the persecution, Paul was crystal clear about the task he was given, and he was committed to fulfill that task no matter the cost. Paul wrote all of these letters during his prison stay in an effort to encourage others who also may have been experiencing persecution. Do you want to finish your race well? I do. I think we all do, don't we? We want to, we want to get to the end of our lives and say we have been faithful with our lives fully as Paul was. But in order to finish that, we've got to do a few things. Paul wants us to avoid the danger of choosing the safe and comfy route, which is easy to do and tempting to do. In Ephesians 4, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be careful to live wisely, to take, make the most of every opportunity, no matter what's coming your way. And chances are it's going to be difficult because the, he says the days are evil. We're in the world where stuff is happening we know is evil. And so we cannot be surprised when it comes our way. And so we have to, we have to look for opportunities to even press against that. You know, I'm thinking right now, of some of you who may have experienced pain when you serve for the Lord. In fact, in my mind, I believe there's many of you, perhaps you have served at the church, you have given of your resources, maybe you started a ministry, maybe you work with a ministry, and somewhere in that journey, something went wrong. Misunderstandings, maybe people misunderstood you, misrepresented you, maybe didn't appreciate you, maybe people went against you, and you got burned, and you felt in, in one way sort of persecuted or pushed out of ministry. And now you've decided, I can't, I can't go forward now. I can't serve again because that was too painful. I can't do that again. And first of all, I want to start by simply saying, I'm sorry if that's a pain you've experienced. That's not what God wants for his followers. It's not his desire to... When, you, when we say yes to serve the Lord, it's his desire that not only are we a blessing to others, but we also receive a blessing. And when it breaks down, when we are hurt by, by our very desire to serve the Lord, it can easily lure us back to just coming to church, if we come at all, 
and sitting and saying, I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to try that again. That was too painful. I'm staying out. And so if that's happened to you, I, I pray that the Lord would comfort you today. But I pray that you would not sit back, that you will look for an opportunity to re-engage in the work of ministry, of serving the Lord. Because it is there that you will experience the opportunity, the beauty of being joining God in the work that he's doing. And you will be blessed. I even believe you will experience the healing that you seek. And so it's important that we don't sit back, that we don't take the, the comfort route, that we don't decide to take ourselves out of the game. Remember, it's, how we, it's a marathon. It's a long journey. There's going to be challenges along the way. Uh, you know, you've heard it on the marathon analogy. When you're running somewhere in the 20-some mile, people hit the wall. Any runners in the house? Right? So that could be like the wall for you. I just want to pray for you to break through and make it to the finish line and experience the blessings of serving the Lord. Bonhoeffer said, wonderful theologian and pastor around the time of the World War II, he wrote these words. He said, when Jesus calls us, he bids us to come and die. Now, yes, he was a martyr. He, he gave his life. But we also have to die to ourselves, to our agenda, to our ways, to our selfishness, even, even to our desire for justice. We've got to trust God with what's right. We have to be willing to just go with God, die to the things of ourselves, and see him work in our lives, in the lives of others, in the way only he can. Don't miss a single opportunity to join God in his work. If you want to finish well, if you want to be ready for anything, Jump in anytime an opportunity comes your way. The second thing is when he tells us in Philippians, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who opposed you. Don't step back. Don't, don't let yourself be held. Push forward. Don't let anyone frighten you from living out your faith. I love that Paul didn't do that, did he? Here he was attacked. Here he was, I mean, beaten, absolutely beaten, put in prison. And yet he still wanted to share the good news. It's an encouragement to you and I to not let anything stop us. And we don't do it in our own strength. Paul didn't either. We do it trusting in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit who gives us strength when we don't have it, who makes us strong when we feel weak, who gives us the words when we don't have them. And so we, we lean in like Paul did, and we stand in unity with one another in this message of Jesus Christ. And then we do it by praying with diligence. The way that we can stay prepared for just about anything, the way that we can push through even the most challenging of situations is through prayer and thanksgiving. Look what he says to the Colossians. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Also pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. You know what's interesting? Every letter that Paul wrote from prison, he referred to himself as a prisoner for Christ. A prisoner for Christ. He was not a prisoner in the hands of man. He was a prisoner for Christ. Even his time in prison, even his time in struggle, for him, that was an opportunity and a time 
to work for the Lord. And he says, devote yourselves in prayer, being watchful and thankful. Not only do we have to do that for ourselves, but for one another. Those who are experiencing persecution need us to stand with them, to encourage them, to pray for them, to, to let them know that there's still hope, remind them that God is with them, encourage them to fight and, and continue to finish the race well. And so we can pray for them. You know, you might think, oh, the issue of refugees is too big. The issue of persecution is beyond me. What can I possibly do? I mean, I feel that way. It feels undaunting. It's so massive. And yet, we can pray. And maybe there's nothing more powerful than that. When we, in our spirit, we pray to the Lord, and through the Holy Spirit, someone in another part of the world, someone down the street that we don't even know, someone sitting right here that we don't know is experiencing persecution, the Holy Spirit comes to them and encourages them and gives them peace and comfort just because we chose to pray for them. And so we need to pray for those. Our prayers are a gift to those who are in persecution. I'm glad that Paul teaches us how to be prepared for just about anything and how to be faithful no matter what comes our way and how to pray for those who are in persecution. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.